This is the Wu Wei Wisdom Podcast, our weekly no-nonsense life lessons aimed to inspire you to master your emotional and spiritual health, achieve balance, harmony, and flow, and rediscover the authentic and awesome you. We're your hosts, David James Lees and Alexandra Lees. This episode comes from our YouTube teaching archives. Are you suffering from low self-esteem or a crisis of confidence that's affecting you, your relationships, your career, and your health and happiness? Well, in this teaching, we're going to be revealing the truth about self-esteem and self-confidence. You'll discover what's really causing your low self-esteem or your confidence issues, and more importantly, how you can create strong and unwavering self-worth, self-esteem and self-confidence, no matter what life throws at you. Okay, David, so let's begin with defining self-esteem and self-confidence. What are they and are they any different? Well, I think they, you couldn't get more up opposite than the words self-esteem and self-confidence. So remember the teaching. The words you use are the bricks you build your house. So take a moment and think about what is the root, the deep-seated root, when you use words like self-esteem and confidence. So let me put my definition on. So confidence is very easy because confidence is a description of an emotion, a feeling. I feel confident. I don't feel confident. I want to build up my confidence. My confidence is ebbing away. So what you're doing is describing a feeling. Let's all say together, you are the creator of your feelings. You are not the victim of them. So you are not a victim of low confidence or no confidence. And so many of us look externally for others to kind of give us confidence, like a commodity, like a bottle of confidence or a jar of, co- of confidence. And this will never work because you are creating it. It is an emotional feeling, an experience. Have you Remember a time when you've had that experience of being confident, of wallowing in confidence that you know what's going to happen and you know what you can do. And this is a wonderful feeling that I would call flourishing or flow. And this is what we're trying to teach in the Wu Wei Wisdom, to live in that flow all of the time. So that's confidence. Self-esteem, to me, well, what do you mean by esteem? My guess, most, most of my clients would mean their worth. So you're judging your worth. So this now becomes CCJ. For those of you new, remember CCJ, criticizing, comparing, being judgmental. So I have no self-esteem. Well, that's a judgment on on yourself. You're judging your own work. Now, having no self-esteem will create no confidence. That's where they're linked because you are creating that lack of confidence. So self-esteem comes, or lack of self-esteem comes before confidence or lack of confidence. So if you have low self-esteem, then you will have low self-confidence. Absolutely. So 
self-esteem to me falls in the three lies. I'm not good enough. I can't cope. I have no, I'm unlovable or I have no worth. So self-esteem would fall into that category of lie. And if you believe that, then how can you have confidence? How, you know, how could you have confidence in anything? If you believe that there's low self-worth or low esteem of yourself, you cannot create confidence, a, a green light feeling. Abundant confidence would be a green light feeling, wouldn't it? And then you start to look elsewhere. You start to look outside of you for someone else to magically give you that confidence. But then you're seeking, in our model we call validation, approval. You're always looking outside for somebody to give you that. And even if they do, it's only for a moment. It doesn't last. I mean, to me, David, when we talked briefly about this before we did the recording, it kind of seems that self-esteem and self-confidence are almost the same thing because uh, for me it's like I agree confidence is a feeling you know if I think if I say oh I'm not confident about this it's a feeling it's a yucky feeling but if I have low self-esteem I it's rare that I would say oh I have low self-esteem it's just more like a feeling of being down on yourself again it's that yucky green light feeling oh. so aren't they kind of very similar so they are if they use it in the case that you've said because now you've moved self-esteem into a description of a feeling see then this is why it's very important as I said at the beginning the words you use are the bricks to build your house with so when you say I have low self-esteem, are you doing what Alex has just done and describing an emotional feeling? Well, why would you give it that mm -hmm. label? Why not give it another label? Yeah. You could call it anything you wanted to. You could call it fish and chips. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm re yeah. I like vegetables. So instead of saying, oh, David, I've got very low self-esteem, you could say, oh, David, I've got a, got a very low cabbage. Mm -hmm. My carrots aren't very good today. You're just giving it a label. And so that's why you've got to be very careful when you're using these labels. Be careful of the words. What do you mean by that? And that's how I normally get it from my confidence, from my clients. When they use the word confidence, they're describing an emotion, a feeling. When they use self-esteem, they will say something like, others are wrecking my self-esteem. Others don't boost my self-esteem. Or my self-esteem is low. They normally are making a judgment about the view of their worth or their value. Mm -hmm. And just to say that those yucky, uncomfortable emotions and feelings, they're, they're red light feelings, not green light feelings, as I said, that, mm. that, that sensation. So what you're saying is that low self-esteem or high self-esteem or low confidence or high confidence, it's a description. When most of us use it, it's a description of a feeling or emotion. But I guess what's most important is what's behind it. Exactly. What's most important is when, you, if you're using those words, is to do the golden thread. So let me quickly go through it. We've done lots of videos where we do it in step by step. And as I said before, we're going to do a course on this. So you can join the course and we can take you through. We can hold your hand and take you through. So at the top of the golden thread process, you separate your emotions from whatever's creating it. So I would not use the word low self-esteem. I would, or low, if you're describing this, the, the, the con, confidence, I'm sorry. I would not use the word confidence or low self-esteem if you're describing a feeling. I would use 
I have now, I am now creating red light feelings. That's the start of the golden thread. I have now chosen to create red light feelings. Then the next step is why? Why have you chosen to create those red light feelings? Why have you chosen to create the low self-esteem? If you're describing a feeling, why have you chosen to create, as Alex said, the yucky feeling of low self-esteem? See, and this is why it can get confusing. You've got to be clear on the words you're using and the labels and what is it you're describing. Are you clear on that? And that's the first step of the golden thread. Be clear. Is this a feeling or is this a belief? When I say I have low self-esteem, do I believe I have low self-esteem? Or as Alex says, am I now describing a yucky feeling? And it's that distinction that the golden mm-hmm. thread really helps you with. But I guess, David, that, yeah, you might be describing a yucky or red light feeling, but there is always a thought or a belief exactly. behind it. So to follow your golden thread, as you suggest, I get, I experience the red light feeling. I, I, I don't label it. But I say, okay, so what am I thinking or believing right now? Asking that why, that what question, exactly. the golden thread question. So it wouldn't be, the answer wouldn't be, oh, well, I believe I have low self-esteem or I believe I have low self-confidence. The answer is going to be something like, I don't think I'm good enough as a person or I'm good enough for my partner or I'm good enough to do my job or I'm good enough to meet this person for a date or I'm good enough to recover from this illness or I guess in the case of confidence for some people that may be I I just don't think I'm going to be able to cope with this task or I haven't got the skills for this task so there the, that tends to be the beliefs or the thoughts the thinking that's going on beneath those red light feelings that's right and that's what the golden thread does it takes you from the highlight as i often said think about it as an inverted triangle or a pyramid upside down at the top is the feelings the emotions the red lights the the thing that you get stuck on the next level down are your thoughts the level below that are your beliefs so as Alex says, you do the golden thread and it goes down and Alex used an example. I'm not good enough. So now that's a belief. I believe I'm not good enough. Then you do the golden thread again. Why do you believe you're not good enough? Then you follow it down. And then you start to get down to the tip of the inverted triangle or pyramid. And that is normally the vow. And that is normally either what someone else has said to you in childhood, so here's the inner child, or you've inferred that they believe about you by the way they look at you, by the way they treat you, by the way they they are. And then that's the core. Now, is that vow true? Because someone says you're not good enough or somebody looks at you in a disgusting way, does that automatically make you not good enough? And that's where you have to go down to. Because, David, I was, it's interesting you say about this childhood thing in, in terms of the origin of these thoughts and the beliefs behind the label of low self-esteem, low self-worth, lack of confidence in myself. Are we born with self-confidence or self-esteem or self-worth? And do we lose it or do we have to earn it as we go up, grow up? So 
so emotions are something that we kind of uh, watch and learn from our environments as as children. So if we had low self-confidence, you wouldn't particularly come down the birth canal and you wouldn't come into a fresh world that you don't know about. So we're coming into this world and then we're learning our emotional responses. They learned behavior, the technical term is. We learn it from the environment that we grew up in, the examples that we see with, with our family, and when we go to school and our friends and how they behave. And so all the time, and as a child, as, in, as when you were a child, what nearly all children want to do is to conform, is to be in the in crowd. I can remember my daughters used to spend, as when they were about 10, 11, 12, 13, an hour in front of a mirror on a morning. Have you seen this with your children? Getting the length of their school tie right, turning up their skirt so it's just at the right length. And I used to say to them, why don't you, why do you spend so much time conforming to others? And they said, you don't understand. This is fashion. I've got to be in the fashion. So as a child, we want to conform. A child wants to be accepted because it needs the protection of others. The problem is you have not changed that belief system. And this is the normal pushback I get from clients when they say, I can't can't quite buy into this idea that we create our emotions because how do we create our emotions as a child? Well, that's quite right. You haven't got the cognitive reasoning to understand what's going on. My teaching and the teaching of Taoism is, when did you update that belief system? So as a child, you're trying to conform, to please, to be one of the crowd, to be in the in crowd, to be liked, to be loved, to be adored. But do you want to spend the rest of your life following that childlike belief system? Mm -hmm. And that's why the metaphor of the inner child for me is the most successful of all metaphors. Mm -hmm. So I guess what you're describing, David, I kind of visualize it almost like a feedback loop that when we're a child, our feedback loop to know if we're doing okay, if we're doing well, if we're fitting in, if we're learning right, if we're doing things correctly, is by and large going to be based on other people's feedback, whether that's our parents, our guardians, our peers, our teachers. We've got that very strong I guess once we're born without self-doubt, we're, we're, just, we're just trusting, aren't we, when mm-hmm. we're born? Fully trusting, not mm-hmm. questioning our own worth, not questioning our own abilities. But then as we start to develop, we, we embed this strong feedback loop, looking externally yeah. for this validation. And what, you're, what you've just said is that's great and that saves us well and that keeps us safe and that helps us keep on track when we're young. But we never kind of go back once we're an adult and check to see the validity and the authenticity of whether this feedback system looking for external validation and support and reassurance about whether we're okay, we're good enough, we should be confident or about our abilities. We've never rechecked that. That's well explained. And that that feedback loop that you just experienced is what we would call in the Wu Wei model the carousel of despair. You're in this feedback loop and you're still behaving like an adolescent child, looking for, as Alex just explained really well, 
the approval, the validation, the reassurance, someone to come along and tap you on the head and say, there, there, you're doing okay to my standards. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem if you're a people pleaser, because you can always find somebody else to please or not please. You can't please everyone. And the spiritual teaching is, whatever age that is to you, when did you become self-responsible? Again, we've done a video on the Shen contract, connecting back to your inner truth, your divine inner wisdom, your inner knowledge, that one of the most important things is self-responsibility. Now, as a child, of course, you cannot be self-responsible because you're depending on those around you. But when did you become self-responsible? And I know what you're going to say. Oh, I was, I was responsible when I was 16, 20. I left home. I went to university. I'm talking about emotionally self-responsible. That's the difference. When are your beliefs your beliefs? We get lots of feedback saying it's very difficult to uh, compassionately discipline my inner child, David, because most of the time I, dis I, I absolutely agree with her. Things aren't fair. Things aren't right. The world's going to hell in a handcart. And that's when, when do you bring your teaching, your spiritual guidance? When do you bring your inner child and sit them on your lap and say, darling, this is a different way to look at the world. This is a different way to look at your life. This is a different way to flourish, to reach what you really are here to do, to be the best that you can be. And that doesn't mean comparing yourself, criticizing and being judgmental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was just going to say, David, when um, I like what you said about the feedback loop, this uh, referral system we develop as a child that keeps us safe and helps us grow and keep on track, serves us well, well when we're children, but then it becomes the carousel of despair because it keeps, and it keeps us trapped. And Absolutely. although our parents and guardians and teachers and peers from when we were children aren't there kind of saying, oh, you've done well there or you haven't done well there or you should do better here, although they may not be directly with with us telling us that now, we're telling that to ourselves. Exactly, because the loop's in place. We are, it's almost like the, we've got the recording on constant replay, and that is the self-talk, the negative self-talk. And that I guess that's why we drive ourselves to try and be perfect, and we fear failure. We get these red light feelings that we don't want to fail. We need to be perfect because we want to stay on that carousel because we think that's the safe place to be. Well, that becomes that carousel of despair becomes familiar, and and in a in a strange way, although it's not successful, and this is what a lot of my my clients don't quite understand. They say, well. I want to stop doing that. And I say to them, no, you don't at the moment because nobody's forcing you to do it. You're on this carousel. And it perversely becomes almost like very comfortable, very familiar some, for something like a comfort blanket because you know all the excuses, you know all the blames, you know all the phrases to say, well, if it wasn't for him, oh, look at the way they're looking at me. Oh, this always happens to me. Oh, it's because of the world's so bad. Oh, it's because I'm, you know, and you're so used to it. And that's why when I work with clients, it can be upsetting for them because I'm challenging those well-worn tracks of belief. And when somebody comes in and says, well, well, why well, why did you do that? And I go, well, I don't know why. And I go, well, of course you do, because you're doing it. No, I don't, David. I want to stop. 
And I said to a client last week, well, you don't want to stop. Because stop it. So if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Oh, it's not that easy. Well, what's hard about stop doing it? Don't do it. And that's what you've got to break through. And then you get, you can almost feel it with some of my clients. It's like an energetic, I call it a pushback. It's like mm -hmm. pushing you back. Uh, well, I want to stop, but I want, I call it the, the fairy godmother of wishful thinking. I want the fairy godmother of wishful thinking to come flying in and wave her magic wand. And then all of a sudden, the world's the way I want it to be. But the world is not the way you want it to be. That's not reality. That's like a childlike view of the world. And childlike view of the world is very on the pendulum. Yes, no, right, wrong, good, bad, fair, not fair, just, unjust. And if you're saying that to yourself, you're swinging in the pendulum and you're stuck on the carousel. Because that's what the pendulum is. If you take the carousel around, the pendulum becomes the carousel. Yeah. And you're going round and around and around and around, and that becomes comfortable, that becomes familiar, you get used to it, poor me, feel sorry for me, and then you start to use the emotions and the manipulation. So on the, on the topic of confidence, though, David, I did want to ask you, it's perfectly natural and authentic to kind of think to ourselves, oh, I'm not 100% confident about doing this new job task because I've never done it before. That's not what we're talking about, is well, it? I, well, I personally wouldn't use that, use that word because that's confusing. Okay, so what would you use? I would say I need to learn this. Yeah, yeah. That's a life lesson. Okay. So I wouldn't bring my emotions in. So if somebody, I don't know, if yeah. I'm looking at a new computer program that yeah. I don't know, I wouldn't say, oh, I don't know whether I'm confident to do, to do this. I would say, what do I have to learn to be able to do it? Mm -hmm. So what we call it the flip. Did you see what I just did? Rather than saying, oh, poor me, I'm not confident, yeah. I don't know how to do this. I would be saying, what do I have to learn to know how to do this? What is it that I need to ask? What questions do I need to find out? What information do I need to research? What do I need to do to find out how to do that? So I flipped it around completely. And instead of being the victim mm -hmm. and blaming my emotions, I'm now going, well, this is a challenging situation, which I haven't got the expertise to address. Let me learn the expertise to address it. And I think, David, that really, to me, emphasizes the importance of the words oh. that we either speak out loud or that we say to ourselves in our self-talk, because if we start to say, oh, I'm not confident about this thing, or I'm, no, I'm going to be no good about this thing, then that it's almost like then that self-talk becomes more and more habitual and it snowballs into, I'm not a confident person. I've got low self-confidence. I'm rubbish at all of this. Exactly. I'm going to be rubbish at that. Exactly. Rather than seeing it as well, for what it is, I've got a red light feeling here when I'm thinking about doing this task or speaking to this person or starting to try to do this. So acknowledge that, but then see if what it is. I've just got to learn something here. This is a challenge and this is a good thing. This is a learning opportunity. So, so if you create a red light feeling, if I created a red light feeling, my first question is why have I chosen mm -hmm. to create that feeling? What, what is it? And, and as Alex said, it's normally, well, this is the first time you've done something like this. This is, the, this is treading new ground. This is going into the unknown. 
then then I would think, well, that's great. Let's go and learn as in the unknown. I'm happy to make mistakes. I'm happy to get things wrong because I know, like every human being, if we're learning something new, we will get it wrong. Mm -hmm. You you are not perfect. You cannot be perfect. And when you're getting things wrong, you're learning how not to get them wrong. So if you, this is why. The words you use are the bricks that build the house you live in. Think about that teaching. It's so important. And Alex also said something very important. The words you speak out are relevant, but I can tell you what's far more relevant, that internal dialogue that you have, that self-talk. And don't think just because no one's hearing it, it doesn't matter. There's a wonderful quote that went viral on Twitter for us. Your self-talk is a conversation with the universe. So be mindful of your self-talk. It's a conversation with the universe. So when you're saying that negative thing and thinking, well, it's okay because it's only me. No, no, no. As Alex just demonstrated, start in those very more micro thoughts and then they gather momentum like a snowball going down a hill. Yeah, yeah. And I guess with the self-talk, as you've just said, because it's going on inside of our heads and we can pretend like... Uh, it's not a problem to the outside yeah. world. And it's almost like, you know, we're the ducks on the pond with the, our feet so, flapping like frantically underneath the surface of the water. But it does matter. And we can get a bit lazy and a bit blasé about our self-talk, thinking that it doesn't really matter. Absolutely. And almost like we allow our inner child, our ego, our human-centered mind, when it's out, swings out of balance, to just babble on at us and almost we just let it babble and then it gets worse and worse and worse and it is like self-harm it's allowing this level of negative self-talk comparing criticizing ourselves being judgmental about ourselves and our abilities um it is self-harm really no absolutely i've got no problem with that with that word uh, i was just thinking uh, of an analogy i used with a client just i think it was yesterday or the day before and she was talking about, well, how do you stop the self-talk? And, and I was explaining as we do the golden thread, go down to the core lies, look, look at those lies, taking responsibility. And she couldn't get it. And, and I'm saying, just imagine you had a child. <clears throat> and the child come up to you and said, Mommy, Daddy, can I have a chocolate biscuit? And you say, of course you can. Here's a chocolate biscuit. They eat the chocolate biscuit in one go and they say, can I have another one? You say, yes, of course you can. There's another one. They eat it again in, in one go. And they come to you again, can I have another one? When do you say no? Now, when you do say no, what happens? The child then kicks off. This is the temper tantrum, or we call squealing piglets. This is exactly, this is why I like the metaphor of the inner child for your mind. Your mind works in exactly the same way. It kicks off. It kicks up a stink. And then, just go back to my analogy, if that was your physical child, and you go, okay, 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 enough, enough. Here's a, here's a packet of chocolate biscuits, have the lot of them. And the child eats a lot. And then the child's sick. Who does he blame? He blames you. <laughs> it's your fault. You're the responsible adult. You didn't stand up to me. And that's exactly how the inner child should be. You... Your spirituality, your Shen, is the responsible adult. That's who you are. That's how I define you. That's why when I look in this camera and say, you're awesome, I'm not just saying it. I mean it. Because all the stuff that you've come through in your life, pretty awesome. Well done. 
well done. And all I'm asking you to do is to update your belief system. So you believe in your belief system. So whatever you believe, if you say, I'm no good, you should be starting your own YouTube channel proving to everybody that you're no good. If you say, I have no worth, you should be doing the same. If you say that to yourself, as I often say as a test, you should be saying exactly the same to your physical child. So when the child come back to you and said, Mommy, I've had a bad day at work, at school, you should say, well, darling, that's very simple. It's because you're not good enough. And you're smiling, but you say it to yourself. And you say it so regularly, as Aris mm. just demonstrated, it just becomes normal. And this is what's got to, you've got to stop it. You've got to stop it. It's nonsense. Stop it now. It's like digging a hole, going deeper and deeper. And I go, well, well what are you digging the hole for? And you're going, I don't know. I'm just digging the hole. And I say, well, stop digging. And you say, how do I stop? You put the spade down. You stop. You gather yourself together and you think, now, let me stand up for my beliefs. Can I, can I stand in front of David and say, David, I'm going to prove to you the fountainhead, the reason why I'm not good enough. Give me the fountainhead, not give me the results of not thinking you're not good enough. I'm going to tell you why I've got no value, David. I'm going to give you the fountainhead of why I've got no value, not the results of believing you have no value. And this is Wu Wei wisdom. And this is living and flourishing in your life. You have so many amazing things that you can achieve. If you believed in yourself a fraction of how much I believed in you, you'd be amazed. And you just got to quieten that busy, human-centered, inner child babbling. And you've got to sometimes say, no, no more chocolate biscuits. Mm. Because I think, David, what, what's just come to me from what you've said, it's almost like as a child, we have this, we create this feedback loop for survival. We may also have picked up and wrongly misunderstood that we're not good enough because someone has criticized us or neglected us or looked at us the wrong way or does something just happened to us in childhood. So then we believe we were unlovable or we can't cope, or we're not good enough, one of those three lies. So something in childhood for many of us has happened, which creates this faulty system, which then we start, as, we ad, as adults, we grow into adults, and we just want to be good enough, we want to fit in, we want to be perfect, we want to be good at everything. Because we can't achieve that, then we start to get the red light feelings. When we get the red light feelings and we're thinking things like, oh, I'm rubbish at this, this is no good, they're going to leave me, they're not going to like me, I'm going to fail this. So that's beating ourselves up step one. But then beating ourselves up step two is we then start to criticize ourselves even more because, well, you, I know you're rubbish, that just proves it. This is always going wrong. It's almost like we layer on top of layer on top of layer, this negative self-talk, this self-criticism. And so what, what you've just said there is kind of in terms of dealing with it, in terms of stopping it, in terms of just pausing the train going down the hill here, 
first of all, you said, just stop, stop digging the hole, don't make it any worse. And that's about saying, stop it. When you hear that negative self-talk, pause and don't let the self-talk and the negativity continue, continue, spiral out of control. So stop it in its tracks. That's the first step. But step two and the most important step is looking at the core beliefs and why you believe what you believe about yourself and questioning whether it's the truth. And questioning. Because you can't just do step one, stopping the negative self-talk, because although it may halt the issue there and then in that moment, a few days down the line or a few weeks down the line or with the next person you're in a relationship or the next boss you've got to deal with, the same issue will come up again, the same red light feelings, the same negative self-talk because you've not done step two, which is look at the core beliefs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we used an analogy in, in, in in a video a few months ago, and I thought it was a good analogy. It just came to my mind. Imagine a car on the top of a hill and you take the handbrake off. You can hold that car with one finger. Go and stand at the bottom of the hill when the car's picked up 30 mile an hour and now try and stop it. And that's why people laugh when I look in the camera and say, stop it. Stop it now. Put your finger right now. If that negative thought comes into your head, as Alex just said, stop it. Stop it at source. Stop digging the hole. Whatever analogy, stop going down the train track. Whatever analogy that you, that you, that you like. Then as Alex has just explained, really important. Now, you may not be able to do it in that moment because you may be at work or at home or busy cooking the tea or whatever. But as soon as you have a moment to yourself, and this is what I would call a meditation, you sit down quiet and say, right, I had that belief that I'm not good enough. Let me now do the golden thread. Why do I choose to say that to myself? And then start down the golden thread. Why, why, why? Where did that come from? Where is the origin of that? I call it the fountainhead. Where's the first time that I got that thought, and I will almost guarantee you it's childhood. Not every time, of course. I can't be 100%. I'm in the 95% higher. It's childhood. And it's either someone that you really love and put value on, a parent, a grandparent, an auntie, an uncle, next-door neighbor, a godparent, or a teacher, and it's what they said or it's your interpretation of what they said and did. And believe me, don't, misunder- don't underestimate even a glimpse of an eye or a turn of the head or what somebody said to you. Because for a child, experiencing that for the first time, it is like an arrow to the, your heart. When you get your first rejection, when the teacher, when you do this lovely picture and you're six and you go up to the teacher and you've been used to people saying, oh, darling, isn't that really a lovely picture? And the teacher goes, well, that's not very good. Oh, my God. Boom. That's like an arrow to the heart for a six-year-old. And the problem, as Alex just explained, then you're on the roundabout. Now you're going, well, I've got to try harder. I've got to do better. I've got to please them. Now, this is what we call in the Wu Wei model, chasing the dragon. You're chasing an illusion. If only I was perfect, David. If only I was on a pedestal. If only I was slightly better. If only I could do this. If only if everybody loved me. Wouldn't it be lovely if everybody in the world just thought I was adorable? Well, I don't know whether it would or wouldn't, but that's not going to happen. 
So you've got to change those childlike beliefs. And that's why the analogy of the inner child to me is so powerful. There's other analogies, the emotional mind, the subconscious mind, the ego, lots of words. But I believe strongly from all of my 45 years of teaching now, the inner child analogy allows you to understand what's going on. And it also allows when I work with clients that sometimes we can do a role play and they can become their inner child and I can speak to them. And that is, can be very powerful because the child can be stubborn. Your inner child can be stuck. Your inner child can have temper tantrums, 10 to the dozen. But one thing about your inner child, your inner child is not stupid. And when somebody can speak to them and listen to them and answer their questions, the inner child, like all children, will want to learn and want to grow and want to flourish. The inner child's had enough of sitting in the corner and feeling sorry for themselves and blaming everyone else. Poor me. Isn't it a shame? I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm not good enough. I've got to be perfect. This is going round and around in that carousel. Your inner child's fed up of this, and you've got to lead him out by lead her out by giving her good, strong guidance and listen to her negative feedback and answer the questions. Mm -hmm. And because initially that inner child will be so used to this CCJing, the criticizing, the self-talk, being on the carousel, it might not want to budge. No, it doesn't want to budge. But we've done we've done lots of other teachings on childhood rejection. You know, when you, you've been embarrassed, believe you've been rejected, or uh, any form of childhood trauma which can create these lies within our belief system. And I will put links to those videos. And we've done other vid more, many more videos and teachings on inner child reparenting that will help you with this topic. But you mentioned one word there, which is also very important for a child, embarrassment. Mm. See, embarrassment is an emotional feeling, isn't it? I feel embarrassed. And so as a child, when something happens and they're shown up by people and they don't handle that situation, that can create a very, very powerful tsunami, overwhelming emotional feeling. And if they're not taught how to deal with that, and they're not even told that they've created it, they believe somebody else has created it, then they lock down. Mm -hmm. And so when you're doing the golden thread, these are the type of issues you want to come down, what they would call rejection, embarrassment, these type of things, abandonment. These are the things when I'm working with clients, I'm working with all of the time, because you've got to change your perception of all those very vital, life-changing conclusions to situations, and you're not learning the life lesson. Because I guess, David, for some people, can some people can go through life with this kind of all ever pervasive sense or red light feelings of low self esteem, low self confidence, and have those belief systems constantly running everything that everything they're ever doing. But for a lot of people, if you did a poll of people on the street, they may say, "Well." yeah, I've got pretty good self-esteem or I'm pretty confident in these elements of my life. But those same people will tell you that I'm doing great, I'm happy, I'm confident, I'm feeling good about myself. And then bam, somebody will say something to me or something will happen 
uh, when I go to work and it's like a major trigger for me and I'm right back to my self-doubt, questioning my abilities, thinking I'm not good enough. What What's going on there? Well that, well, that means that they've got one emotional or two emotional issues that have not been resolved. They haven't learned the life lesson. Alex used a very important word there, triggered. It's like, they triggered me. Remember, we've done a video on this. You've got the finger on your trigger. As only you can pull that trigger. No one else can pull that trigger because you create your emotional feelings. So if that's what you that Alex just said, 50, 60, 70% of your life is great. There are only occasions where you get, you pull the trigger. Then you've got to look and ask yourself, okay, that's great. Now, why did I choose to pull the trigger? Then you go down and find the instance. That's the life lesson you have to learn. And that's why we call it a life lesson. That's something when you as a child, no one taught you, you haven't learned since. And this doesn't stop you from being successful. We got lots of clients who are highly successful, financially successful, but they have these little areas, these emotional kind of nuances in their life. It's like that blind spots. It is. It, 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 it's, it's really important. But as you say, they can be touched in so many different ways. And that's what the golden thread does. It focuses down on that point. It's very powerful that to focus down and then you get to learn that what it is I need to learn there. So that's talking about when we're doing okay, but then something triggers us. Yes. What you're saying is there's something still to be resolved. Unresolved, yes. So you may have cleared up, you know, 80, 90% of your beliefs are in balance, but there's a few things that still need to be looked at a little bit more deeply. Absolutely. Okay, so what about the situation whereby someone is in an environment where they are constantly being berated, constantly being criticized, picked at, um, chastised? How, how on earth can that person still feel good about themselves, still feel they're a great person when they're in that sort of environment? Or is it even possible? Well, absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. Because the first question that I would ask that person is, why do you want to maintain that envi environment? And if for some reason it's your family uh, or your partner who's doing that, then I would be wanting to build you up so you can address that issue with that person. Because you should not allow anybody continue to berate you to, to be negative to you because you're allowing them to step over your boundaries. And again, we've done a video mm. on, on boundaries because gaining that self-worth and valuing yourself means that you would not allow anybody to be in a position that Alex has just explained. So before you can deal with them, you have to deal with yourself. You have to get your own belief systems right. And if you are that person that's asked that question, What's probably happened over the years, you've been chipped away at, chipped away at. So you need just to gently, emotionally pull yourself back and do the work. Meditation is very good for this type of thing because you've got to build yourself up. It's like, it's like getting ready to run a marathon. You've got to train for it first before you don't just go and run 20, 25 miles without training. So if, you, if you're in a relationship or a family that's, gen, that's always berating you, You've got to just emotionally pull yourself back. You've got to do the work. You've got to get your training up to date. And then you can address that person or that situation with sensitivity. Now, we often talk about sensitivity is a superpower. And that's when sensitivity becomes a superpower. It does not mean you're weak. 
when you've got your act together and you're thinking straight and you're calm and you're in control, it doesn't matter then how much the other person berates you, you're in your wu-wei balance and you can deal with that situation calmly. But you have to prepare. There is a preparation mm-hmm. going on. That just doesn't happen as overnight. That may take you a month or two months to slowly build yourself up. And I guess if someone was constantly criticizing you personally, if you had authentic self-worth and truly believed you were good enough, you were lovable, you could cope, you wouldn't be th- questioning your own value. You'd be, be thinking, them. "What's where, where are they exactly. coming from? What's exactly. driving their behavior? You wouldn't believe them without question. So... So it's a kind of a two-step thing. So first of all, you wouldn't buy into what they were saying. And the second thing is, if you had true, authentic, unwavering self-worth and self-love, you would be setting boundaries and saying, well, hold on a minute here. Uh, You know, this is not acceptable. But there's also a big difference between someone criticizing you and berating you personally and someone giving you feedback and Absolutely. saying, well, this could be better. I mean, that's a completely different thing. But that's the difference between making judgments and being exactly, ju- yeah. ju- judgmental. And, and, and that's why you have to do that work for yourself first. And so, David, what are we actually aiming for here? If we go back to this idea of the energy pendulum and at one extreme is this idea of total lack of self-worth, total lack of self-belief, total lack of self-esteem, self-confidence. And the other extreme is, well, I'm a complete egomaniac. I think I'm absolutely brilliant and better than everyone else, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Surely that's not what we're aiming for. No, because those are the two extremes of the pendulum. So what you're looking for is the center. That's Wu Wei. And so what, what you're looking for is to honor and respect your own unique authenticity there is no one like you in the universe no one what more do you want than that you are a unique human being you have a connection with the greater cosmos you have a a connection with your shen with your spirituality and don't be drawn into these like a pinball machine going from one to another hold that center because that defines you and that's your responsibility that's your self-responsibility you define you no one else and holding the center is that's where you'll flourish that's where you'll be in your flow that's where you'll have good health emotionally mentally and physically when you're in your flow, when you're living your life to what you believe to be true. And that's really what Wu Wei wisdom is about and Taoism is about. It's living naturally, living to your highest standards that's right for you, spiritual standards that only you know in your intuition, in your gut feeling. And that's what defines who you are. Unique, authentic, amazing. You are awesome, absolutely awesome, and never forget that. Brilliant, thank you, David. So I guess what we're all aiming at for is this middle, this middle zone. So to keep out of those two extremes, because the extremes are uncomfortable and unnatural and can't be held, really. So we need to keep in that wu-wei center zone. Thank you so much for listening to this week's wu-wei wisdom life lesson. 
You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review us to help us grow. If you'd like to work one-to-one with David, he supports clients all over the world every week via video call. You can learn more about David's consultations, plus our online events, offers, and gifts on our website, wuwaywisdom.com. You can also meet and share with us in our private Facebook group, on our YouTube channel, and on Instagram. Search for Wu Wei Wisdom and you'll find us. Until next time, stay happy, healthy, and in your flow.